This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Sustainable-ish, and this very first podcast episode of 2022. How are you doing? How was your Christmas? That feels like an awfully long time ago now, doesn't it? How is the start of 2022 treating you? Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Any sustainable-ish ones? Have you stuck to them? Have you already... Uh, failed, I hate that word failed, Uh, have you already been challenged somewhat by your New Year's resolutions? As this episode will go out, I think it will be the 14th, so uh, two weeks in, are you still keeping up with those sustainable resolutions? I would love to know. And on the subject of resolutions, sustainable-ish resolutions, year-long resolutions, today I want to chat to you all about uh, is it a new project? I think it's a reused project, a pre-loved project maybe, but it's nothing new in 22. Now some of you, if you follow me on social media, may have already seen me banging on about this incessantly, but for those who have avoided it, or for those who want to uh, listen again or find out again via another medium, here we go. So those of you who've been following me for a very long time, and I'm talking nearly 10 years here, might remember that my journey, I always say I hate saying that word, but I can never think of a better one, into all things sort of sustainability and eco, started with what I called my make, do and mend year, which was a year of buying nothing new with my family. Now this started in September 2012, Uh, The kids at the time were just coming up to four and uh, about one and a half. And um, it was in a completely cliche klaxoned um, thing, a totally life changing year. Um, It started off as a very naive challenge. It started off uh, when I actually when I read in a magazine about somebody doing something she called her secondhand safari and I just thought that sounds like fun I just discovered sort of free cycle and free girl and things like that and thought it might be quite a fun challenge I hadn't in any way prior to that I think related my consumption with 
climate stuff. And, you know, bear in mind, this is 2012. So this was pre-Blue Planet 2. This was pre-Greta, pre-school strikes. Um, it feels very much like the climate is much higher on the agenda and much higher up in all of our awarenesses than it was back then. But um, I think I was probably a little bit guilty of, do of what... Um, maybe many of us um, are still doing at the moment is that kind of almost looking away from the from the climate crisis um, and we were still talking about climate change and things like that so obviously the, the wording has changed a little bit now the preference is to talk about climate crisis climate emergency to sort of demonstrate that urgency with which we need to act but there wasn't really much going on about um, climate change at the time um, and I think I like I said I was sort of somehow looking away from it I was aware of it um, would see bits and pieces on the news and um, feel quite overwhelmed feel quite anxious but feel like it wasn't really my place to do anything there wasn't you know what difference could I possibly make as just one person surely if it was that big a deal the governments would be doing something about it all those kinds of things that I think is still a big part of the narrative today and I also think I thought um, if I thought at all about what I was buying and the clothes I was buying and things like that that um, it must be okay to be doing what they're doing. And even though I probably felt a bit uncomfortable thinking about like three t-shirts for a fiver or something like that, um, in my head, I think I rationalised it by saying, well, it must be okay because they're allowed to do it. They wouldn't be allowed to do it if it was um, exploiting the people in the supply chains, if it was degrading the planet, all these kinds of things. And obviously, as probably you guys know, and as I found out during that year, as I now talk about a lot, uh, it, it, it very much isn't okay. But yes, these these companies and these manufacturers and these retailers are still allowed to do these things at the expense of workers in the supply chain um, and the planet and things like that. Um, so yeah, it was a total eye-opener of a year because it really forced me to really think about my consumption and to join those dots between what we were buying and its impact on the planet, where it had come from, who might have made it, what we were buying in our waste, all these kinds of things that, like I said, I hadn't really thought about. And it was that kind of um, opening a can of worms. And there have been many, many times during that year and since that year when I've wished I could just pack all those worms away again into their can and pretend I didn't know all these things that I'd learned. But obviously you learn, or certainly I found I, I learned all these things and then I couldn't just go back to how I was consuming beforehand. Lots of people as the end of the year approached said to me, what are you gonna go out and buy? What's the first thing you're gonna go out and buy when the year ends? And I just remember sort of looking at them really bemused thinking, no, this this has changed. This has changed everything. This has really made me uh, consume differently. Um, and it absolutely did. Um, it changed what we buy, it changed how we buy things. And really importantly, and again, this will sound really, worthy but it really made me um or taught me i guess about my place in the world um it made me face up to the fact that actually every decision i make has an impact has consequences and that at least some of the time i get to decide what kind of impact that is and i get to choose who i give my money to and whether i upgrade or whether i repair something and all these sorts of things that i think previously i'd just been on this very unconscious treadmill of consumption so 
Uh, that was 2012. Like I said, September 2012, that started. Uh, the kids were very young. Um, I kept a blog. If anybody wants to go back and look, they're um, quite mortifying now I look at it. Um, but I kept a blog uh, nearly every single day during that year the things that we were buying, the things that we were repairing, all those kinds of things. Um, and it was called my Make Do and Mend Year. It was my first foray into mending. Um, really the first time I seriously tried to sort of shop and things in charity shops and things like that. So it really was very much a big change for us. And I remember saying at the time that it would be a very different experience to do it with older children um, or teenagers and things like that. So... Here we are. I've decided to give it a go with older with older children and teenagers. Um, I, I was thinking about repeating the year on the ten year anniversary, which would be what would it be September twenty twenty two. But then I thought, oh, do you know what? Nothing new in twenty two. That sounds good, doesn't it? Let's go for that. So we're starting it January this year, and I'm going to rerun the fun with my family. Now, I was very aware that, um, as I said, this is a very different experience. I Previously, I had two kids who uh, weren't really old enough to necessarily understand what we were doing and uh, were just as happy with a 50p car from the car boot sale or a charity shop as they would be with something brand spanking new and in the packet. Um, and it's a very different kettle of fish now that they're older. So I'd already decided to myself that this is something that I wanted to do as a personal challenge and that I would invite the other members of the family along, but I would be okay if they decided that they didn't want to because I think uh, as our children get older, and I think about this a lot, you know, at what point do we um, do we have to stop uh, impinging or enforcing our own values, our own morals, our own ethics onto our children and allow them to start to step away and to develop some of those things themselves. Um, so I was very aware that, that both my kids might look at me aghast and say, not a chance, what on earth are you on about? So I had a little chat with them. We were out for a walk and I said to them, look, this is what I'd really like to do. Would you like guys like to join in with me? And I thought that what um, might make it more doable for everybody is that if you have an exception each. So you have something, um, if there's something you're particularly passionate about or something that you, um, you know, uh, something that you really do want to buy, that you're allowed one sort of um, exception of things that you can buy um, throughout the year. Now, I think, you know, had they said uh, clothes or something like that, I might have said, well, you know, can it be three pairs of jeans or can it be two pairs of shoes or whatever? But actually, they didn't say that. Um, they said Warhammer, which is the most um, un... I don't know if it's the most unsustainable, but it, it's not massively sustainable hobby. Uh, it's made of little plastic figures. It kind of drives me up the wall, but they love it. They're really into it. They're really passionate about it. And um, it keeps them off screens when they're doing it. So actually, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, I've decided that, that that's absolutely fine and that's what they're going with. Uh, mentioned it to my husband. He um, seems relatively on board with it again, I think. Um, when Certainly when we did it the first year, first time round, he um, was a bit bemused uh, by the idea to start with um, and uh, just, I think, sort of went along with it, definitely, in an anything for a quiet life type way to start with. Um, so this time round, I think he's much more gets what it's about all that kind of thing um and uh he doesn't to be to give him his credit he doesn't buy a huge amount of stuff anyway so i think for him it will probably be relatively easy 
So that's us, that's our family, that's what we've decided to do. And what I'd really love is to invite you guys along for the ride as well. Now, as I said, I've already been talking about this on my social media. Um, I did a a Zoom intro call earlier on um, this month, which I can link to in the show notes if anybody wants to have a watch of that. And um, we've already got... I want to say nearly 700 people taking part. That feels absolutely mad to say that. Um, But certainly I I set up an email list for it and there's nearly 700 people subscribed to that. The intro video I've put up onto YouTube that has had nearly 750 views. I mean, it's not viral, is it? But it's certainly more views than anything I've put up on YouTube has had before. Um, And we've got a Facebook support group uh, for anybody. um, And again, I will post the link to that in the show notes. But if you search Nothing New in 22 on Facebook, you should be able to find it. Um, And that has nearly 500 members in there. So it's absolutely blown me away. I was really amazed and surprised. I felt like uh, maybe people wouldn't be that bothered by it, wouldn't particularly... Um, I don't know, maybe it's a bit of a been there, done that type thing. Oh, this is, you know, everybody's doing that these days. Nobody be that interested in it. But I've really been surprised by the level of interest um, and really enthused by the level of interest. So uh, obviously extending that um, invitation to all you lovely podcast listeners. And um, in case you're wondering, like, what is the point of this? Why should I bother doing this? I just want to run with through with you some of the kind of whys that I brainstormed when I was putting together that sort of introductory call for why it's uh, why consumption is um, so impactful, uh, so potentially damaging for the planet and why uh, sort of the power of this challenge, I guess, and why you might want to be thinking about it. So I'm going to run through them all and hopefully you'll find some that resonate with you. So I think first and foremost, we're in a climate emergency, we're in an ecological emergency. The science is absolutely clear, couldn't be clearer. Um, You know, scientists have stopped sort of um, pussyfooting around the wording a little bit. We've had wording coming out telling us we're in code red for humanity. Uh, We need to halve our emissions between now and 2030, so this is globally, if we're to try and keep global temperature rises below this this critical one and a half degrees. As individuals, playing our part in that means we need to halve our emissions as well. Um, But actually in the UK, uh, because we're starting from a, you know, we've got a much higher than the average global carbon footprint to start with, we need to get ours down from around 9 or 10 tonnes of carbon dioxide a year to around 2.3 by by the end of this decade. So we've only got eight, nine years to do that now. And slowing down our consumption of stuff is a really great place to start that. So a few stats that I pulled out that just reveal um, or sort of help to show how impactful it can be to uh, keep things in use for longer and which is part of what we're doing by slowing down our consumption. So extending the life of our clothes by just nine months of active use so not just them sat there in the in the cupboard not doing anything but passing them on to somebody else or repairing them so we can use them for longer or just putting up with something that's boring us a little bit for a bit longer um so extending the uh, life of clothes by just nine months of active use could reduce their carbon water and waste footprints by around 20 to 30 percent so absolutely something that's worth doing and i think we can all keep our clothes in use for a little bit longer can't we Okay, so the next one, and this is a stat from an amazing project called the Restart Project, who do a lot of work around 
um, repair and reuse of uh, tech and things like that. Um, and this stat is actually a couple of years old, so um, I would be interested to know what it is when it's updated. But uh, this was from a few years ago, and, and the, the stat that they came up with was said, if we used every phone sold this year for just a third longer, in a couple of years we would prevent carbon emissions equal to Ireland's annual emissions. So we are constantly bombarded with messages to upgrade, um, to have the latest, newest gadget and phone and things like that. But actually, if we can just stick with it, if we can keep our, uh, our phones and our tech going for that little bit longer, it really does help to reduce those emissions. Now, those of you who listened to one of the episodes towards the end of last year um, uh, uh, with J.B. McKinnon, the author of A Day... Um, a book called The Day the World Stops Shopping. You might have be familiar, you might recognise some of these stats, but consumption is now a bigger driver of environmental breakdown than population. So how much we buy is more damaging to the planet than how many people there are on it. The average person in a rich country consumes 13 times as much as somebody in a poorer country. So um, we've got two children. Uh, our two children will potentially have the impact of uh, 26 children in somewhere like Bangladesh or in a poorer part of the world, which is absolutely shocking, isn't it? In the last 20 years, which my head thinks 20 years ago is the 1980s, it's not, it's the beginning of this century, it's the um, 2000s, uh, the number of garments purchased per person has increased more than 60% and the length of time they're worn for has decreased by half. So just in the last 20 years, fast fashion or, you know, fashion consumption has absolutely skyrocketed. Our collective stuff now weighs more than all the living things on the planet. That's really quite scary, isn't it? And our consumption is leading directly to things like climate change, species extinction, air pollution, water pollution, deforestation and lots, lots more. And there's a brilliant quote from um, Sir David Attenborough. I think every podcast episode really ought to have a quote from Sir David Attenborough, doesn't it? Um, everyone who think any, sorry, start again. Anyone who thinks that you can have infinite growth in a finite environment is either a madman or an economist. And we're starting to um, be quite forcefully confronted with our planetary boundaries, aren't we? We live on a finite planet, we have a finite amount of resources, we are consuming them at a uh, considerably faster, place, faster pace than the planet can uh, replenish them. And then if we're thinking about why's, uh, you know, why buy nothing new for however long it might be, whether you want to do a month or three months, six months, a year, whatever it might be. Um, what are the almost sort of personal benefits to us? Obviously, there's those benefits on the planet and the environment and things like that. Um, but I came up with this list shortly after I think we'd done our year buying nothing new. So see what you think of it. You really start to appreciate what you already have. So when you don't have that um, sort of knee-jerk... Um, consumption or that sort of safety net I guess of consumption that's 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 there for us you really start to appreciate what you already have you start to sort of dig around in your wardrobe or in your cupboards or whatever and you find clothes that maybe you haven't worn for ages or you think actually those shoes are fine and you really start to get a better appreciation rather than our things being um, just used briefly uh, we don't really um, generate any connection with them that sounds a bit woo woo doesn't it but you know we do, we, we really need to start to learn to love our stuff again 
Uh, we get to learn new skills. So certainly during um, our original Make Do and Mend year, like I said, it was my first foray into mending. I learned how to patch jeans. I learned how to darn socks. Even really basic stuff like sewing a button back on. Prior to that, I hadn't done it. I'd just been too scared, weirdly, somehow, feeling like I would do it wrong, it would fall off again. So I just sort of quietly bagged it all up and gave it to my mother-in-law, to her to do. And it really, uh, the realisation that there is this undeniably satisfying feeling when you fix something um, or when you find something secondhand that you've been really sort of holding on for and looking out for for ages. It's a really, really satisfying, dare I say, smug feeling, perhaps. Uh, there's another advantage in that you get to discover or explore new uh, air quotes retail outlets. So like I said, I wasn't a big charity shop shopper before. I was somebody who would always sort of stick my head in the door, uh, not really see anything instantly, feel like it was all a bit of a jumble and a mess and be frustrated and leave. Um, whereas actually when I went in, and actually stopped and took time and flicked through the rails and all those sorts of things. Uh, you know, I have now become one of those annoying people who when you say, oh, I love your dress, where did you get it from? I'm like, oh, I got it from the charity shop. It was five pounds. Um, yeah, I am now that annoying person. So, um, and it's not just charity shops. There was things like um, car boots and um, did our first visit to an auction house, which, you know, was very much out of my comfort zone and still feels quite scary. Um, vintage fairs. Um, there's a great big flea market that happens near us or certainly did pre-covid so discovering all these different places where we could go and we could find the things that we need and actually sometimes just taking a minute to stop and look around some of these places and realize just how much stuff there already is that that already exists and this kind of idea that maybe if we just stopped producing stuff now we'd still have enough things to last us for a hugely long period of time and there is actually a statistic and I can't remember what it is, but I think it was, is it Patrick Grant, the, the, one of the judges off Great British Sewing Bee? Didn't he say something like, if we stopped making clothes now, we'd still have enough clothing for the next X number of generations? I can't remember what it was. I want to say seven, but I would definitely need to check that. So don't quote me on that one at all. Um, but we, we have an abundance of stuff. A big one here for lots of people is that you get to save money. There's this really um, common argument that I hear um, against becoming, um, sort of trying to make more sustainable changes and things like that because lots of these things are much more expensive. But actually, the crux of being more sustainable, as uh, unaspirational as this might be, is consuming less, is making do with less, is wasting less. And those things will absolutely save you money. So I did a very conservative estimate during at uh, the end of our Make Do and Mend year, our original year, that we saved about £2,000. Um, obviously, what we should have done is sort of separate um, save that up separately and then have a nice um, sum of money to do something with at the end of the year. Um, we didn't. What I'm actually doing this time round is I've made myself a little table, a little chart. Um, you can do a spreadsheet if you like a spreadsheet. And I'm literally just writing down everything that we're buying um, and uh, how much it's costing and then having a quick look online to find out what it would have cost new and then totting up those savings and then what I want to be able to do either at the end of every month or at the end of the year is to um, donate that uh, that amount that we've saved to um, some kind of climate charity so if anyone has any suggestions for good uses for those savings then please do let me know. Um, these um, last three are really um, intangible is that even a word but but so so important you get to become a change maker that's a pretty wanky term isn't it but um 
I remember when when we were doing our year buying nothing new um, originally, I was invited to um, give a TEDx talk at TEDx Exeter, I think. No, TEDx Bedford. And um, and the theme for the day was everyday radicals. And I just remember being really like, I'm, I'm not a radical. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a very good person. I, you know, I follow the rules and I, I park between the lines and all those kinds of things. But this idea that actually by buying nothing new, by refusing to, um, to be manipulated, that feels like really strong language, but that's kind of how it is to be manipulated by these marketing messages, to be... Um, to be sort of saying no is actually quite a disruptive thing. It's quite a radical act in our very consumer society. And I like to think of it as this way of just sort of really gently, you know, me mending my jeans, just really gently disrupting the status quo. And you really do get to create a whole new mindset because what this challenge is about, it's not necessarily really even about what you buy and what you don't buy. It's about changing your mindset. So in the same way that the most effective diet is one that um, isn't about denying yourself things, it's about developing a new mindset and a new way of eating and exercising and things like that. This is kind of what this is about. It's that we're wanting to become slower, more thoughtful consumers because consumption is so easy and convenient and quick and some of the time quite mindless, isn't it? Um, in, in the new Facebook group that started for the for the Nothing New Challenge, um, I sort of asked people, you know, what uh, on the questions before they come in, what do you think your biggest challenge will be? And somebody put in there really honestly, I thought, avoiding the middle of Lidl. And that's almost what this kind of unconscious consumption is. It's really epitomised by that, isn't it? It's this idea that we go into Lidl's for a pint of milk and we come out with a fence sprayer. Or, you know, that thing where you go into Ikea and you cannot come out without going through the marketplace and picking up the tea lights, because it's always tea lights, isn't it? Um, or whatever it might be. That um, So it's, it's that idea that, that what this challenge is doing is helping us to slow down and to really kind of... Um, think about what we're buying so it's not the end of the world if we end up buying something new if we that's been a very thoughtful thought out decision and we've thought about other options and things beforehand and then I think a really big one the last one maybe is that we get to create these ripples of change I talk a lot in in the Knackered Mums Eco Club which is my membership about that we talk about ripples a lot we talk about the idea that us um, making a change doing a thing is like dropping a pebble into a pond I know Georgina at um, Pebble magazine talks about this a lot dropping a pebble into a pond and and so that action has its impact but it also creates these ripples that spread out so the more of us that are doing something like this the more of us that are buying secondhand the more of us that are mending our things the more of us that are keeping our old phones going and really importantly talking about it we don't need it to, to be ramming down people's throats or anything like that but just say oh wow I was looking for this and I've managed to find it here or oh god like um you know keeping my old phone going for for longer or um you, you know it's just kind of having these conversations I remember um years ago I had a pair of jeans that were very visibly mended so very obvious patches very colorful patches lots of um what's called sashiko which is this sort of japanese uh, visible mending thing um and they were always a real conversation starter i would be sitting in assembly at school or something and i would have somebody go oh i love your jeans and then we just have a little conversation about um about repairing and them saying oh i'm not really that confident with the sewing machine or i don't know that i trust my hand sewing and i'd go oh god yeah no i completely empathize with that and um you know um no but it's much easier than you think it might be and then we'd have a little discussion 
discussion about um, fast fashion and um, throwaway society and all those kinds of things in a really nice, gentle way. And actually, in the nicest way, I didn't have to start the conversation. Somebody else has started that conversation and it's been this um, this nice uh, way of just being able to introduce some ideas to people without being sort of bashing them over the head. So I think that one is really, 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 really important. So that's all the whys. I'm sure there are lots more. We could all probably sit down and think of lots, lots more, but I hope that they've helped to persuade you a little bit to, um, you don't even have to join in with the challenge at all, but I would really love it if you came away from this episode feeling inspired, um, supported maybe to make some slightly different decisions about um, what you're buying and where you're getting it from. So um, I'll just really quickly run through the kind of what the logistics of how it works for anyone who is thinking, well, that sounds really, um, that sounds really interesting, but I'm not really quite sure how it might work. And what do you do about pants? (laughs) That's the most common question I get. What do you do about pants? Um, So at its most simple, you buy nothing new for a year. So my interpretation of that is, is, you know, only pre-loved things, secondhand vintage. The beauty of it is you get to make your own rules. Okay. So you get to decide what, what, what constitutes a challenge for you. So for example, the first time around when we did it with the kids, when they were little, our rules were secondhand purchases only, except for food, because I'm not green fingered in any way, shape or form. And I think we would die. Um, toiletries and medicines, consumables, those things like glue, stuff like that. Um, new parts, if we needed something new to fix something that breaks, that seemed to make sense to buy a new part for it if we couldn't find one secondhand, um, rather than having to replace a whole new thing. Uh, shoes for the kids Uh, remember at the time they were only little and I just really wanted to make sure that my kind of slightly crazy project didn't end up completely breaking their feet Um, so I wanted to make sure that their shoes fitted so we said we could buy new shoes for them and we said we could buy underwear that's because I think most people probably join me in drawing the line at secondhand pants so this time around really really similar Um, so we've said um, food toiletries and medicines consumables new parts um I've included this time school stuff for the kids if we've exhausted all other possibilities. So um, our youngest will be starting secondary school in uh, September. Our eldest is already at secondary school. There seems to be an enormously long kit list of uniform, PE kit, different types of shoes, all those kinds of things. I know we're not going to be, you know, there probably will be times when I'm not organised enough to have thought ahead and got the next size up of Astro shoes or whatever types of thing it is they needed. Uh, I will, you know, really explore possibilities around secondhand uniform, asking friends, asking in local groups, that kind of thing. But if we've exhausted all other possibilities, then um, I am okay. I have made peace with the fact that there may be the odd bits and pieces that I have to buy new. Um, Again, I've said underwear um, as an exception, although I don't think any of us need any at the moment. So we might see if we can um, keep those, keep that going for the year. And as I said, the kids were allowed to choose one exception each. But you can totally make up your own rules to make it something that works for you. So you might want to think about, is this something that you want to do just you? Or do you want to do the whole family? Like I said, when the kids were younger, they didn't get much of a say in it. But now they are. Um, I extended that invitation to them to join me if they wanted to. Um, You know, do you want to do it for you and your partner and not the kids? Or do you want to do you and the kids and not your partner? Or any kind of combo that that works for you is absolutely, um, absolutely fine. Do you want to do the whole year? 
Or do you just want to start with a month and see how you go? Or do you want to say, okay, I reckon we could do a month quite easily. Let's try three months or let's try six months. I know lots of people in the group are just doing it, you know, week or month at a time. That's absolutely brilliant. Whatever works. Do you want to look for everything secondhand or do you just want to do clothes or just tech or something else, whatever you want to do? And do you want to set your own exceptions? Again, you can you can, you know, completely um, borrow, utilize the ones that, that I've come up with. But, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing of making some exceptions um, so that it's still a challenge for you, that it's still going to motivate you. It's still going to push you a little bit out of your comfort zone, but that it's not entirely going to make you miserable the point of this is not to make us miserable not to make us resentful and feel really fed up about everything it's to kind of um like i said to reset that mindset and things like that so have a little think about what your rules might be about what your exceptions might be about what your boundaries might be um and then yeah i would love it if you wanted to come and join in like i said i think we've we're approaching the 700 mark how awesome would it be she whispers because this feels really scary to have a thousand people um, signed up and on board or have done some part of the year by the end of 2022. That would be absolutely phenomenal. Um, so, uh, yeah, I will post links to all the um, resources that I've already mentioned. So there's the intro call on Zoom. There's the um, I've written a, a sort of summary blog post as well. There's the Nothing New in um, 22 Facebook group. If you're not on Facebook, don't worry about it. You can use the Nothing New in 22 hashtag. Um, you can tag me on social media. I will um, uh, see what you're up to and you can... Um, I'm, uh, there's an email list to sign up to as well. So if you want to sign up to that, um, I'm hoping, planning, aiming, fingers crossed, to send out sort of weekly-ish emails with resources and ideas and hints and tips and all those kinds of things. Um, so I'm really excited. I hope you guys are too. I hope I haven't just bored you waffling on about this for um, half an hour now. But um, yeah, I, I, it's just genuinely a life-changing thing I think if once we start to slow down and think about our consumption of stuff a little bit more that feeds into food that feeds into energy that feeds into transport it's such a powerful thing to do and as I said the more we talk about this kind of thing the more we try and normalize a slower slightly slower level of consumption it's not about um, like I said beating ourselves up if we haven't done something oh yeah that's a really really important thing that I um that I haven't said and that I really have made a point of saying in the Facebook group I made a point of saying it in the um in the intro thing um, but there is no failure okay so this isn't a um you know a bit again thinking about that diet mentality of like oh god I've had I've had a biscuit so I've had a packet of biscuits oh god I might as well just give up you know if you end up buying something new it doesn't matter we all slip up sometimes a lot of these habits around consumption, especially around using online, you know, things like Amazon and stuff like that, are, are have become quite embedded, ingrained habits. Um, you know, so so it can be quite um, difficult to break these habits. So no one's going to shout at you. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to throw you out of the Facebook group if you end up buying something new. Um, you will be um, probably applauded for your... Um, bravery and honesty in kind of sharing that and I'm sure that there would be other people who've gone oh my god you've slipped up thank god you admitted to it because I've done it too so there is absolutely no such thing as failure the whole point of what we're doing whether you do it for a month six months a year whatever you do is that it's trying to 
um, support us in becoming more conscious, considerate um, consumers. Um, so like I said, there's no um, pass or fail or anything like that. It, it's it's I really want it to be a fun, um, welcoming, um, doable, kind of join-inable challenge. So we're really going to try and, um, you know, avoid that kind of um, green one-upmanship that can sometimes happen, that kind of thing. So please, if you're finding the thought of it um, a little bit intimidating or you're thinking, well, there's no way I could do that or I'd, I'd air quotes, fail after two weeks, you can't fail, okay? Um, all you can do is um, learn. Okay, so we're, we're learning about our own consumption habits. We're learning about what our, um, our sort of temptations or our, our, our weaknesses or whatever might be. Um, and we're just working on trying to reduce those. So um, I hope that feels doable. I hope that feels accessible. I hope that feels welcoming um, because that is entirely um, how I want it to be. Um, so let me know. Let me know if you're already on board. Let me know if you're excited by this. Let me know if you want to join in. Um, all the links will be on the show notes, which are on the website, which is www.asustainablelife.co.uk. And then um, find the podcast under the menu there. And this will be the latest podcast and you can um, come and find it. Um, if you've got any questions, anything at all, just do drop me an email. Um, Jen at sustainable-ish co.uk um, and I would love to hear from you love to know what you think about this love to know if you're going to be joining in love to know what you're most excited about if you are joining in all those kinds of things um, so thank you for putting up with my ramblings for where are we at now 35 minutes <laughs> I will be back with a guest next week and um, hope to see you online or somewhere very soon have a great week take care and enjoy You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.